Good afternoon. It's a pleasure to be here with you today on this Zoom, and I'm hoping that we'll all have something from this time we're together, either from the first 20 minutes or the last part that will encourage us. And um, I, um, my subtitle was Try Not to Try, or Try Not to Take Over. <laughs> so I come by um, really not seeing recovery as a fixer, because I found a solution uh, in my young 20s that I thought was going to be responsible for all solutions and uh, has been in a lot of ways in my life. But codependency is is where I'm uh, practicing my recovery now. I've been uh, recovered from the, the use of uh, drugs and alcohol in excess when I was about 22. But I found out at 42 that I had a lot of parts of that disease in codependency and went to Al-Anon. So that's that's a little overview of, um, of what's going on for me as I walk in uh, recovery and using some of the same tools. So today I'm gonna read from my uh, little blue book from Al-Anon. And uh, that's a book that my grandmother got in 1968. And I was fortunate to have that book. It's a memory of her, uh, uh, sobriety and change in her life and uh, I went on to my mother who never had uh, the disease per se but did through Al-Anon find out that she needed help with uh, these kinds of uh, encouragements and I read an encouragement on July 14th and uh, a daily reader here and um, and I'm not going to read the whole part of it but there was one at the end. Uh, today's reminder that day on July 14th was, it's not easy to restrain ourselves from reacting to what others do that seems to affect us. A healthy detachment brings about the very changes we were powerless to make by continually fighting the problem. And then they make this statement. And this one, they always have a quote at the end. And this one doesn't have anybody who takes credit for saying it first, I guess. But anyway, this one here really blew me away. God helps those who don't try to take over his work. <laughs> wow. God helps those who don't try to take over his work. And... Um, so about four days later um, from when I read this, I was really pondering pretty heavy about not this day, but just about where I'm at in the work. I've been working in recovery groups for quite a while too and have a long relationship with, uh, with this kind of helping others. And, um, and a lot of uh, times of, in the last four or five years, certainly through COVID, we all know that uh, we have this thing called, uh, now it's called, it kind of has a term, but opioids. And we think this is, uh, it is a, is a great evil in our time that we live in. And I'm part of a place that uh, the, visits it daily. I mean, we have Daily Street and Daily Street is lined with people that are suffering with the use of opioids every day. And um, I, I visited some of them, and some of them have been in many treatment places in the city. 
and I encourage them and uh, invite them to, you know, know that they're loved and they're cared about. And so on my holiday, I got <laughs> got one of these. Uh, I got some really bad news about something, and uh, and uh, it's worked out over the last month that it's not as bad as we thought it was, but it still was a shocking thing. And um, you know, when you when you when you live your life giving it to help hopefully help either people know that God loves them or, um, you know, that there's health in knowing God and, and there's a different way to live and there's recovery. And I'm kind of like a out in front of all this kind of treatment stuff with people, you know, really struggling on the street and in the community. But um, you kind of, you're a justice fighter. So in one way, you kind of feel like and not a justice fighter to the government and all those kinds of things. You're just like, it's this thing with God, like God, you don't want these people to suffer, right? He doesn't. <laughs> but there's an increasing amount of suffering going on. And so, you know, you always have after full time since 1999, I've been involved in this kind of thing. And uh, you wonder if you're done, right? You wonder, can I, how much more of this pain, how much more heartbreak? And I'm not trying, you know, not trying to be, you know, not give this to God. I'm giving it to God. But it's tough. Then I made a mistake. I watched a Netflix series called Painkillers. And I don't know if you've watched that series. I would highly recommend you not watch it. <laughs> if you're a justice fighter, um, if I may mention names like Purdue, Richard Sackler, um, you may not know them, but you know what they were about as they introduced the world to this Oxycontin thing. And were almost stopped after a significant amount of people died. And then they got away with it and there was a justice fell apart and all around the world, a half a million other people died. And so I'm on my holidays. What did I do this for? <laughs> you know, this is a huge justice. Like, God, how did you allow this to happen? It's just natural. It just happens. For me, it happens. It's a part of my recovery. Uh, early on in ministry in the late 80s, early 90s, I worked with a pastor and he, he told me, he says, <clears throat> we we are constantly deal, dealing with the is and ought to be, you know, the way things should be and the way they ought to be in in the natural world. But with God, you know, we don't we don't know the last chapter in anybody's life. We don't know how this is all gonna work out. We hope we have promises. We have all those kinds of things. But man, is it ever hard um, to get that kind of information? that how these significant things could have been stopped a lot farther ahead and much fewer people. And why it really think touches me because um, beyond that, my core of my life, the beginning of my life was, you know, surrounded by the effects of addiction in my, in my family. And um, when I watched those episodes of that painkiller Netflix ser uh, series, I saw these families one after another who were living their lives 
going to work, having a job, getting a random injury in their life. They weren't people that even had the normal, you know, traits of, um, of you know, maybe just living in poverty or uh, having a person in their life in and out of prison and uh, an absentee abandonment issues. They were everybody. And now we know, of course, fentanyl is is significantly an evil. It's in um, our, our suburbs and downtown and everywhere in every city. And so, uh, man, like, um, where where can I find help for this? How can I deal with this this broken heart, God? And. Uh, a few weeks later, I came upon this gospel story that I, I did a little extra reflecting upon. I want to read that, that story to you. So it's in Matthew chapter 15, verse 21 to 28. And a couple of things about the gospel is, um, I just love the idea that it's their narratives that Jesus speaks. Uh, yeah, there's parables, but they always give you some context, eh? And I think <laughs> just amazingly, uh, impressive, whether it's the woman at the well or this woman we're going to talk about, that these are people that Jesus wasn't even supposed to show up in. So that gives me a lot of hope that God's going to show up in, in people's lives and show up in my life on a daily basis in all different ways. If I, if I just have the grace, if I just have the grace to recognize that he hasn't abandoned us because there's evil. We have this theodicy. There's evil and there is God. But anyway, the gospel goes like this. It starts with Jesus went away to the district of Tyre and Sidon. So right there, generally we could read that and we go, big deal. It's Tyre and Sidon. What's Tyre and Sidon? I just want to say that that would be in the biblical history uh, place where uh, no one would expect any good to ever happen. And the people that lived there would be people that the righteous would not want to be around in that time. The people of God, the people of Israel, the people, whatever way you want to say it, they would not want to be there, just like the woman at the well. But this is another woman. So anyway, he's in the district of Tyre and Sidon, and a Canaanite woman from the region came out and started shouting, Have mercy on me, Lord. Son of David, my daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not answer her at all. And the disciples came and urged him, saying, well, let's help her. No, <laughs> let's not have her in our neighborhood. Let's not accept that we're here to help her. That's what they said. They said, send her away. For she keeps shouting after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Oh my gosh. What's going on, Jesus? <laughs> Where's your mercy? Right? Let's stick with it. But the woman came and knelt before him saying, Lord, help me. He, and he answered, it's not fair for the children's food. Um, and to throw, uh, it's like throwing it to the dogs. She said, yes, Lord, 
We even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered her, Woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. Wow. And her daughter was healed instantly. So why that's really become significant over the last month for me is I'm looking at the situation much differently. I'm looking at it as, first of all, the people that were following Jesus didn't know him as Lord yet. And the person that had nothing to do with any context of history, of having any way of knowing who he was, mentions him as Lord three times. It's an incredible thing to contemplate that the very people that have experienced living in Canaan and Canaanite area and Sidon and Tyre and whatnot, who, who maybe logically or with reason would be thought of as not knowing who he was. But when she drops this, you know, the son of David stuff and all that stuff, she's identifying him the way that the people that were following him, who were the gung-ho people, never identified him. Secondly, I, I love the fact that she doesn't, she's persistent, and she shows us a whole bunch of things about prayer. And one thing that I want to encourage today in my share is that where I came through this process in the last month and a half, um, God helps those who don't try to take over his work. But he also loves to hear us ask for what we wish, if it's within his will. And he responds to this woman, and there's a healing of a demonic spirit. But that same thing needs, it is our only hope for these kinds of crisis and these kinds of emergencies. We can avoid where it is, but he's not wanting that. He's wanting us to go where it is. And it's all, you know, let's face it, it's everywhere now. It's not in a structure of economy, it's everywhere. It's families. We deal with mothers and fathers who are coming and asking us, you know, when you see my child, the child could be 25, 45, whatever. They're desperately becoming the Canaanite woman. What do we do when trying isn't enough? Right. I mentioned last, uh, just a few minutes ago, that I liked um, Vicky share uh, about prayer last week. I also was like uh, uh, listening to the fellows share this week about um, the sex trade and what it's doing to girls all over the world. Boy, that was a share. That song, where was the guy's name Ray? I think it was. That was a share. <laughs> God wants to do justice. And there's every reason why we could say, uh, you know, it's not time for that. 
it's not time. It's, it's not time in God's plan. You know, it's like he's going to come and the trumpets are going to sound and everything's going to happen, all that. Kind of, we can go all there. But I still believe today that in a way this, uh, not a fixer, but a codependent can get through a day-to-day -day basis is knowing that I can cry out to God and that he is all about showing us mercy. He's all about showing others mercy. And when he sees the faithfulness of people asking, it doesn't matter where we're from. It doesn't matter what our credentials are. It doesn't matter any of those things. It matters what our heart is asking for. I, uh, I didn't really know how to wrap up today. <clears throat> and then I woke up this morning, and I'm pretty sure some of you know this song, Into the Sea. <laughs> into the sea does anybody know that song it's a song that uh basically says that though the mountains will fall the rivers will have all these cat catastrophic things and there's catastrophic things everywhere right now <laughs> although all that happens you know what it's okay because God is still with us. God is for those who get to know him by faith. Not because we have a history of knowing him by faith. There is no chance. And that I believe that, you know, this group is a very special group. John and Vicky know I believe that because one of the th things I've loved about it since I ever got associated with it is that it doesn't say I'm a drug addict, you're an alcoholic, you're this, you're that. It says we're all people who have brokenness and wreckage in different ways in our life. And God wants us to be able to come together and see what we wish come to being real. When it matches his will, God doesn't want us to stop trying, asking. That's not trying to do his work. That's all we can really do. So I invite you uh, maybe to ponder that song. And when you have an opportunity to go look at it, Into the Sea. And the words of that song might encourage us to continue to say, we're not giving up. We're not quitting. We're not going to try to do God's work. But there's a lot of people that we have, we have realized that God is our higher power. And we're busy. And, you know, it's kind of like every day is the first step. And every day is the step where we're supposed to meditate and pray. <laughs> Those steps, they just, it's a continuance. But prayer is the way we'll see a lot other people free and know God. I just want to pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us a heart like this Canaanite woman and that we will see many people become free. Amen.